0: And today we are talking convictions and non-convictions. Welcome to On Life, episode 21 with Jamie Sinclair. Okay, so hey, first, uh, let's see. Two episodes in one week. You are correct. I guess I'm just in a podcasting mood. Uh, Hey, um, two notes before we dive into today's topic. So the first one was I noticed in the statistics that some of you guys are using a podcasting application called overcast to listen. And I was curious your thoughts on that. I generally use the default iOS podcast app or Spotify, and I don't particularly love either. So I might check out overcast, but hit me up if you have any tips or suggestions or you're like, yeah, I use it, but I don't actually like it. (laughs) Um, and if you have any thoughts generally on topics, questions to look at with the podcast, always shoot in a text. The number for the podcast is 315-566-0056. Quick edit here. I'm, I try not to do too many edits, but I wanted to make a, a very brief note. Today, I'm going to be talking about uh, political and cultural questions. If that is helpful and exciting to you and life-giving to you, continue on if you are not interested and not ready for that right now, feel free to pass. No hard feelings. Awesome. So, hey, I want to start by looking briefly at the uh, conviction out of Minneapolis. Uh, the officer Chauvin was convicted on all three charges. Um, and I was looking back at some of the show notes from episode four last June 2nd, so 10 months ago now. And... Uh, just looking at that episode and kind of some thoughts more fresh in that moment, like a week after everything had gone down. And I just want to reiterate, I think pursuing justice is good and godly. Isaiah chapter one, verse 17, learn to do what is good, pursue justice, correct the oppressor, defend the rights of the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. I do not love a, a, large and invasive civil government, not my preference. And I think my preference is quite biblical, but government is, it's good. It's God's idea. It has a purpose and certainly to, uh, provide for basic justice in, in situations of crimes like, uh, Floyd's death is, is a great example. Um, He was convicted on three counts, and I want to kind of talk through those briefly. I've had several people ask me about this in the past, I was going to say week, but I don't know, a couple of days since the conviction came down. He was found guilty of murder two, murder three, and manslaughter, Um, manslaughter in the second degree. And I was, I was, I, I, you know, I didn't follow the trial closely. I did watch some clips. I don't know if trials... I don't think they're typically streamed like this. Maybe it's just because of COVID. Maybe because of its the the profile of this case. But I was able to watch bits on YouTube. The judge was super impressive. I know that I, I heard feedback from a couple of friends on on just the the judge. She seemed very composed and confident and super sharp. Uh, it definitely is encouraging when you see people who are competent and uh, reasonable serving in positions like that. Um, our justice system is not perfect. I'm sure there are some ways to improve things. I have a couple ideas myself. But on the whole, we actually have a, a really a, a fairly robust justice system. Uh, on the whole, I have a lot of confidence in it. Uh, maybe not enough to be a huge fan of the death penalty, but that's a different conversation. Uh, okay, so the three charges. I was expecting a guilty verdict for manslaughter. I was a little surprised that they found him guilty of murder in the second degree and murder in the uh, third degree. I want to pop up the statutes here. Okay, murder in the murder in the second degree. This includes some intentional murder, like drive-by shootings and things like that, but it also includes a class of unintentional murders. And and I think pretty much everyone agrees that at least in terms of what you can prove, this was an unintentional murder. So murder in the second degree allows for, um, it, it allows for a conviction when there's something causes someone causes the death of a human being without intent to affect the death of any person while committing or attempting to commit a felony offense other than criminal sexual conduct in the first or second degree. Um, That would be first degree murder. But um, so, so the argument here is that while Chauvin wasn't intending to murder George Floyd, he was intending to commit, felony, you might say like felony assault or something like that, and in the process killed George Floyd. And so that would be felony murder or in Minnesota uh, murder in the second degree. Uh, that's possible. I, It just seems, like I said, I didn't follow closely, so I'm, I'm not going to try to like uh, decide whether the jury made a good decision or not. I was just a little surprised because from the bits I saw, while I do think he was guilty of manslaughter and and Chauvin seemed to really just absolutely devalue Floyd's life. And that was tragic and led to his death and it was reckless and it's manslaughter. Um, It wasn't simply an accident. It was, it seemed like a reckless one, but, but to say he was intentionally like perpetrating assault against him, it just seems like he was not doing a very good job in terms of being considerate of Floyd, but that seems to me different than like committing felony assault against someone. Okay, but anywho, the the next charge was murder in the third degree. And on this one, uh, this is whenever someone without intent to affect the death of another person causes the death of another by perpetrating an act eminently dangerous to others and evincing a depraved mind without regard for human life. And that would be murder in the third degree in Minnesota, and so so like a classic case of this. There was a Supreme Court case in the mid twentieth century where a couple people were playing Russian roulette together, uh, where they would you know s- uh, pick up the gun, throw a round in it, you know, uh, and they were but rather than pointing the gun at their own heads, they're actually pointing at each other's. So once. The, the bullet was in the chamber. Uh, the, the other person murdered the other, you know, the, their friend and they were convicted of murder, but it wasn't that they were actually intending to kill the person, but they were intending to do something that they knew could kill somebody. And so that was, you know, th- they weren't necessarily intending to affect the death of their friend at that moment, but they were perpetrating an act eminently dangerous to others and evincing a depraved mind or, or sometimes in the law it's called depraved heart murder. Like, I mean, obviously you're doing something, you know, just randomly shooting a gun in a city. Like just if you just spin around and shoot like, you know, a dozen rounds, you're not sure you'll kill anybody, but you know, you could, and you don't care. And so that would be, if, if you did kill someone in that process, that would be murder three in Minnesota. Um, now again, what's a little confusing about this is, while I think it's pretty obvious if you watch the video, I'm not necessarily recommending you do watch it. It's, it's, uh, troubling and sad, but certainly if you want to have a strong opinion on this, you know, you need to consider some of the most obvious evidence. And, and while you're watching that, you realize Chauvin seems like a pretty hardened fella, not considerate not loving, not being responsible. I do not think you can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he thought what he was doing was likely to kill someone, maybe not Floyd, but it's, it's not like he was, you know, spinning around in the gun and pulling the trigger. Uh, it was not Russian roulette. I, I, I don't think he thought what he was doing would kill Floyd. And I don't think he thought what he was doing would kill most people. And the truth is, it probably wouldn't kill most people. Uh, there just happened to be kind of a, a combination of things Then in that moment, it did kill George Floyd, which is tragic. I think he was being reckless, but there's a difference between being reckless and negligent in a criminal way, which was would, would be manslaughter here. And doing something that, you know, might not kill this person, but it's the kind of thing that kills people and you just don't care. So you're going to do it to a bunch of people. Uh, That would be murder three. And again, I'm not saying it was an incorrect decision. I was just surprised because from the little that I did follow, it didn't seem like that did fit. Whereas manslaughter in the third degree. Oh, excuse me. We want manslaughter in the second degree is what he was convicted of. Is, is somebody who's, you know, there, there's a bunch of things, but some sort of culpable negligence whereby you create an unreasonable risk that could kill someone, and it does. And there's a bunch of context for this. You can Google a law if you want sometimes, sometime. But it does seem that what we, he was doing was clearly hurting Floyd. Floyd was struggling for it. Floyd eventually... St- seems to stop being responsive and people are saying like, Hey, he's not breathing. And Chauvin just doesn't seem to care. It seemed totally reckless. Uh, and I don't think he thought he was killing Floyd. Uh, if he did, I I think he would have been a lot more concerned about video and stuff like that being on. I don't think he thought he was murdering Floyd. Um, but I do think he was being reckless and not, not, not being responsible and, and not using his training. Well, um, I did hear some people, you know, say that the, the ambulance that was coming got lost since it was delayed. So you now you're getting Chauvin's mind. It's, it's, it could be one of the scenarios where he ended up being on Floyd's back for like nine minutes. And maybe if he had known it would be nine minutes from minute one, he would have acted differently, but it could have been one of the scenarios where, uh, you know, you, you think the ambulance will be there and 90 seconds after you put that particular restraint on Floyd. And so 90 seconds passes, you're like, oh, they'll be here in a minute. And then, you know, another nine minutes pass and you killed him. And uh, certainly I'm not trying to defend Chauvin. I think Chauvin was guilty of manslaughter, Um, maybe guilty of murder two and murder three. Also, I I just didn't happen to, I didn't see things that would have made me think that. And to be clear, it could have been murder in the first degree. Maybe maybe Chauvin was actually purposefully and knowingly killing Floyd. But there's a difference between what it could have been and what you can prove in a court. And I just didn't see evidence that even really proved murder two or murder three. Uh, but maybe it was there. I do think one big takeaway in all this is I tried to... I try to think about these things and be aware, just because they're national conversations and they impact people I love and know. And uh, but it is important when something goes down in Minnesota or something goes down in Georgia to realize, you know, we can't play armchair quarterback and pretend we're we are all knowing. Um, certainly, I think there was a competent judge there. There was a prosecution, a defense. They both made good cases. There was a large jury. They found a, they reached a unanimous verdict, meaning if if one person was like, this is not murder two, it would have been a hung jury or they would have reconsidered and found some sort of compromise, settled with murder three or who knows what. But like it was a unanimous decision by a jury. Uh, even if you followed this whole thing super, super closely, were you also watching other news? Because that means you're biased and you wouldn't be fit to be a juror. So you can't make a good decision. Um, the, the jury needed to be isolated and not influenced by anything except the good evidence that could be presented in court to them. And I, I trust the process. I don't think it always gets it correct, but I think it usually does. And so I'm going to say, you know what, I'm, I'm good with this result. I was surprised by murder two and murder three. I hope it was the right call. And I'm just going to kind of leave it to to that court and jury process in Minneapolis, it's not my decision to make. Um, Speaking of, it's not my decision to make. Uh, A representative named Maxine Waters weighed into this conversation in a way that was uh, most inappropriate and unhelpful. In fact, her comments were um, so alarming that... Some people read them like this. She she didn't actually say this, to be clear. But some people read them, and and by some people, I mean like lawyers who were interviewed on major, you know, news networks. They read what she was saying as, "If you acquit or find any charge, if or find the charge anything less than murder." We'll burn down all the buildings. We'll burn down all the businesses. We'll attack you. Now, that's not what she said, but some people were hearing what she said as that. And although she didn't say that, what she said was troubling enough that the judge in the case said what what she, her statement could potentially have uh, pressured or biased the jury and could be the basis for overturning the trial in, in an appeal. And that is, that is sad. She is messing with the process, a system for justice. It's totally inappropriate. So what did she actually say? Okay, what she actually said was this. Maxine Waters, by the way, I believe is a representative from California. Let me Google that real quick. Because facts, you know, you know. Um, yes, she is. The 43rd district of California. Excellent. Okay. That's what I thought, but I couldn't remember for sure. So this is what she said. She said, quote, we are looking for a guilty verdict and we're looking to see if all the talk that took place and has been taking place after they saw what happened to George Floyd. If nothing else does not happen, then we know that we've got to not only stay in the street, but we have got to fight for justice. End quote. Another, another statement she made. "Quote: This is guilty for murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree murder." End quote. Okay, th- that makes no sense. She says, "I don't know if it's first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it is first degree." That's just on its face. Uh, I don't know what to say, like without just mocking and berating her. Like that's just it, that that's it's sad and and terrible thinking. Um, she, she went on to say, in, in response to like, what needs to happen if you don't get the, the guilty verdicts on all of these? She said, "Quote, well, we've got to stay on the street, and we have got to get more active. We've got to be more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they know we mean business." End quote. Okay, what she said was horrible. It was it was reckless. It was irresponsible. She. It, it, it could easily be taken inappropriately. Maybe she was thinking peaceful, just hold up a sign and, you know, chant something. Um, but it could easily, in, in light of the past year, in, in light of violent riots that have been taking place around the country in connection with BLM and, and things like this, uh, this is utterly irresponsible. Furthermore, it's not simply irresponsible in that it might incur, encourage riots. It's totally uh, just abhorrent insofar as it might pressure or manipulate a jury to not make their the best decision they could make, but to make a decision to kowtow to the mob. Um, that is not justice, which is why those statements by a United States Congresswoman uh, could potentially be the basis for an appeal in this case, which is really, uh, it's just, it's sad. Now, I don't want to I want to use her comments as the opportunity to speak to something that a few people have asked me to speak about, but thus far I have been hesitant to do on the podcast. Donald Trump and impeachment and his approach to the election and such. Full disclosure, you might not love what I'm about to say. Feel free to turn this off if it's just going to sour you. That said, um, even if I'm not right, I I think most would benefit from listening to some of my thoughts here. Hopefully I, I'm i thoughtful and making sense and presenting some good things to think about. It is, it seems so easy to talk about the shortcomings of both sides, that it's trivial and uninteresting, but at the same time, it's so uh, pervasive and continuous. Uh, just day by day, You, you I, I see that the the hypocrisy and the, it's, I I feel like I have to point this out, otherwise I'm living in crazy town. And so what she said was just dumb on its face when she said, I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree murder. Like, what is that? Like, what kind of thinking even is that? I I hope kindergartners are smarter than she is. Uh, But but the thing is, she's not unique or alone in her, utterly poor reasoning. President Trump had a phone call. I, I typically try to avoid listening to Trump because I, I don't enjoy that process. Um, but I did listen to the entirety of a phone call he had with the, the Secretary of State in Georgia, I don't know, last, probably like late November, early December, I don't recall, but I wrote down some quotations from it. Because as I'm listening to it, I was just like, this isn't just bad. This is so on its face ridiculous, I don't even know what to do with it. And so I want to share this, not just to, to berate or mock, I want to share this to help us think better, but also see just the, the, the pervasiveness of, of such shoddy thinking. Okay, so Trump is in the conversation and he mentioned something he heard about. And so first he's just like, Hey, this, I heard about this. Do you think that's possible? That's the rumor. Um, it, I think this is what what's happening. That's my opinion. And then he ultimately conclu- concludes that it's a fact. So he moves from being like, Hey, this is something I just heard about this morning. What do you think? To I have an opinion on this for no reason whatsoever to, I know what's true for no reason whatsoever. Okay. Here's, here are the quotations. Quote, this is Donald Trump, by the way. And quote, and this may or may not be true, this just came up this morning, that they are burning their ballots, that they are shredding, shredding ballots and removing equipment, end quote. A little later in the conversation, quote, do you think it's possible that they shredded ballots in Fulton County? Because that's what the rumor is, end quote. Okay, so he noted that that morning he had heard a rumor. He's he's wondering, is this possible? I heard this rumor. Quote, but they are shredding ballots, in my opinion, based on what I've heard, end quote. So he moves from like a rumor he had heard that morning he was asking about to all of a sudden he's got this strong opinion. He's, he's formed a conclusion based on no evidence that he's presented in this. It was a lengthy conversation, probably approaching an hour. Later on in the conversation, quote, well, you better check on the ballots because they are shredding ballots, Ryan. I'm just telling you, Ryan, they're shredding ballots, And you should look at that very carefully because that's so illegal. You know, you may not even believe it because it's so bad, but they're shredding ballots because they think we're going to eventually get there, end quote. It's the same as, I don't know if it's first degree murder, it's first degree murder. Uh, Hey, here's this rumor I heard this morning. They're doing it and it's so bad and it's so illegal. You better look into it. Otherwise, you're a terrible secretary. It's... I just don't even know what to do with that kind of thinking. So I'm just gonna throw it out there, let you know about it. I see this stuff all the time, but some examples are so clear and in your face that I literally, I have a Google doc that I created. When did I create this thing? Um, I this Google doc that that I created like the day I heard it. Oh, maybe the phone call is pretty late or maybe I listened to it late. I made this document in January, January 5th. So the day before the very notable day, January 6th, I created a a document with those, those quotations from the phone call, but it's just, it's, it's illogic. It's poor thinking. It's emotional. It is self-centered and, and it doesn't simply describe that bad person on the other side. It describes far too many people in American politics today. OK, so uh, that brings us to briefly, I just want to make a couple of comments on Trump, impeachment and the non-conviction. Uh, so firstly, on January 6th, there was the rally in D.C. Uh, it was the same time as the re- receiving the, the votes in the like uh, at the Capitol building. Pence was overseeing that process. Trump makes a, a speech and. In his speech, he made a number of statements that, that just kind of like Maxine Waters, she made statements that like, you know, if this does not happen, we've got to stay in the street and we got to fight for justice. That could mean burn tires and break windows. It could also mean hold up a sign. Uh, she says, we got to stay in the street. We got to be more active and got to be more confrontational. Well, what does that mean? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it's kind of... Open to interpretation, but in the current American context, it seems kind of irresponsible to let stuff like that fly. Similarly from Trump. And so here's some things Trump says if you note carefully, he never advocates anything illegal, just as Maxine Waters never advocated for anything illegal explicitly, but they're speaking in a in a cultural moment that is charged, in a cultural moment that is seeing riots in streets. And so when you overstate something like this is first degree, and if we don't get conviction, if we get anything less than murder, it's injustice, and we got to fight and be confrontational, that would be Maxine Waters. Well, Trump was saying similar things regarding this election. He says, quote, we won this election, and we won it by a landslide, end quote. I'll give you this. The election definitely had some question marks, but to claim that it was won by a landslide There's just not evidence for that. Like, there's none. It might even be true, but without evidence, why would you state it? Okay, next one. Quote, we will stop the steal. End quote. How? Well, break into the Capitol building, maybe. Uh, Again, he didn't say that. I don't think he was even thinking that, but he's talking to a crowd that then went and did that. Next one. Quote, we will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. End quote. Quote, quote. If you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore, end quote. By the way, these are all from his speech, January 6th. You can Google it if you would like. I read the text. I did not listen to it. I generally prefer to interact with Trump's comments via text. Um, he did make one statement that I think is very important, quote, peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard, end quote. Yeah, and I think it's important to highlight that. That was good. Now, did it do enough to actually help direct the crowd? Uh, obviously not, but it was. It certainly absolves Trump of any sort of like actual like uh, criminal culpability. He was not specifically encouraging them to engage in violent or criminal behavior. He was specifically, technically, encouraging them to be peaceful. One more quotation because I think this one is. It's important to get into that moment, quote, and Mike Pence, I hope you're going to stand up for the good of our constitution and for the good of our country, end quote. Just like Waters was potentially manipulating a jury Really, it's a travesty. Even if the jury made the right decision, she should not try to manipulate them. Maybe Trump Pence made the right decision. Maybe he made the wrong one. But Trump was trying to manipulate him and violate the constitutional process and constitutional order. A a constitution, by the way, that President Trump took an oath to defend. The response time to the riots themselves, if you followed the news on January 6th, Trump's response time was very poor. I was Entirely unaware of what was going on, and a friend of mine, actually one of you, dear listeners, uh, texted me as like, "Hey, are you hearing what's happening in DC?" So you know, I pull up the headlines, and I didn't even know Trump had given a speech. So I start reading about like the people entering the Capitol building, and uh, the person's like, "Why hasn't Trump said something? Like he's got to say something." And I was like, "Yo, I, I don't know. Maybe Trump's like in Guam or who knows what. Like, uh, give him some time." and Then when I realized in the you know the following hours and days that Trump had actually he was in D.C. he had made a speech that morning I was like Trump like the the first minute somebody broke into the Capitol he should have gotten word and he should have like prime time, like everyone stand down. This is criminal. This is abhorrent. This is not the way we make our voices heard. It needed to be really clear and really fast. The response time, very poor. The response itself, also poor. He did tell people like be peaceful and go home, but he did it in this way that continued just to, uh, perpetuate these overclaims like landside victories and stolen election. I'm like, dude, just don't even talk about that right now. You need to defend the constitution. Forget about your, your like, whether or not you won the election. It was sad. It was a, a tragic day in my opinion. And I think many who are reasonable will see that. Um, so then one of the responses in the following days was uh, uh, some articles of impeachment were drafted were voted on in the House of Representatives. I I'm quite open to impeachment on this question. I didn't love the articles of impeachment and I didn't love the decision by the House the Democratic leadership in terms of how to make the case. It, it seems to me that the Democrats did actually, actually did not want to impeach Trump. They simply wanted the process of impeachment for National political reasons. And, and here, let me make my case. Rather than stating that President Trump engaged in reckless and foolish speech, uh, he did not incite a mob to attack the Capitol, but he did incite a mob just to be rowdy and rowdy. And although he said to be peaceful, he also said things like this election's being stolen. And we have to fight like hell. Like, it's contradictory messaging. We could go into that on policing sometime too. But like, this is, he was being utterly irresponsible and he's the president of the United States. Presidents are held to higher standards. He is the president of the United States. He was irresponsible and stuff happened. People died. I realize even that's complicated. It's not like the the mob went in there and murdered several people. It was... Uh, health issues that were triggered, et cetera. But the point is stuff went down and Trump should have had nothing to do with it. Um, to the extent that he had anything to do with it, he should have immediately and very clearly shut things down and spoken against it. He didn't do that. He did not defend the constitution in that moment. He was, uh, I don't know. felt like he was continuing a campaign or something. So I'm pretty open to, to, Impeachment. The problem was the articles of impeachment. Rather than making that case, the articles of impeachment say Donald quote Donald John Trump engaged in high crimes and misdemeanors by inciting violence against the the government of the United States end quote and and the articles say a lot more. And I don't necessarily disagree with that per se, but I also don't agree with it. I'm just kind of like his his speech was not specifically stirring people to a violent act. In fact, he even used the word peacefully in it. He used a lot of irresponsible and reckless language that I think he should be held accountable for and I think impeachment would be a fine way to do that. But it seems like another overclaim. Maybe not as dumb sounding as I don't know if it's for murder in the first degree, but in my opinion it is. Like or, you know, hey, here's a rumor I heard, it's happening. Like those are just like so dumb on their face, but this still seems like that Playing in that political game of overstatement. Secondly, once the articles passed in the House, there were nine House, like impeachment managers from the House, who went and made the case to the Senate. All nine were dyed in the wool Democrats. Um, The the way they made the case was, again, just overselling and it was emotional. Really, it was a case being made for national politics, not a case being made to appeal to reasonable Republicans in the Senate. If they were really trying to to impeach Trump, they would have worked to craft articles of impeachment that were more reasonable, that were more moderate in their language, but still a call for impeachment. More House Republicans would have joined in. They should have sent House managers to the Senate that included several Republicans to make a very reasoned, uh, relatively dispassionate case that, look, this isn't about feelings right now. It's not about politics. It is about... A president of the United States who did not act like a president of the United States, did not defend the Constitution in a moment where a mob was trying to upend constitutional order, who at some level even participated in it by giving a speech where, yes, he did not incite the violence, but he used reckless language and stirred up and fomented the crowd to a greater energy. Like They could have made a case. I don't know if the impeachment would have like the the Senate would have convicted, but they could have made a real case. But instead, the Democrats just play politics. Republicans play politics in response. Uh, we should uh, wrap it up there. Otherwise, I'll just <laughs> spin into a politics is a bummer these days rant. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share a few thoughts. I, I know that people have kind of pinged me about this over the past couple of months now, and I've just been hesitant. But I felt like in this moment, hey. Let's talk to some some current cultural and political happenings. Uh, Derek Chauvin conviction, Trump's non-conviction. Got some thoughts. Hopefully it helps you think well. I hmm. One final thought. When I hear Maxine Waters say what she said, when I hear Trump say what he said, I have no respect for those statements. My respect for the people diminishes. and and they've both been saying things like this for years. So I don't have much respect for either in terms of their ability to think well or to walk in integrity. Um, But I also realized like, I don't want to just be some like, you know, arrogant intellectual who's looking down on, on everyone who uh, makes mistakes in their thinking and, I hope that's not where I am. Like, I'm honestly, at times when I hear stuff like this, it's just like, it breaks my heart that that people say things like this and they get airtime, air that they influence people, that those who respond to them strongly typically be, tend to be like sided, meaning the people who are calling Maxine Waters out right now, they're mostly Republicans. The people who called out Trump a few months ago, mostly Democrats. And I'm like, I, I would love for... I greater unity in good thinking and thoughtful reasoned thinking and, and being gracious to one another, but also saying like, look, we can love Maxine Waters. We can love Donald Trump, but these people are not fit to have influence in our systems. Like, I I don't know. I would just love for that. I I don't want to feel like some sort of, (laughs) um, you know, uh, Floating, independent. I don't really have a home in the American system. I don't want to feel like that, but I do feel like that sometimes. And I don't know if you get the tension. I certainly, I hope I don't come across just as like caustic or cynical, but I am definitely disenchanted with the current state of American politics. I'm saddened by it. I'm praying for better, but I also know that our hope as believers is ultimately not in American politics, it's in Jesus. And I I would love to see America grow, to grow healthier, to grow more united, to grow more just, I would also, um, just keep serving Jesus, even if America, uh, degradates and spirals out of control. Like I'm thankful that I'm a citizen of heaven. My allegiance is to Jesus first and foremost. Uh, so we have hope we have Her- hope church. So I just want to encourage you as I, I uh, end this episode, Have a great day, and until next time, peace.